Hi everyone, welcome to Hubshots episode 232. In this episode, we talk about strategy and what that means. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks and strategies for growing your sales, marketing and service results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, I'm so good and welcome back, Ian. To a new year. To a new year. Yeah, with optimism. That's right. And hope, apparently. Hopefully. And we do hope, listeners, that this is going to be a much better year than 2020. You know, I'm so relieved after, because we're recording this on the 25th of January, so the inauguration has just happened. There was a whole lot of chaos earlier in the month. And of course, we're in Australia, but you know, globally, you feel it and everyone was concerned, but I, I just feel so relieved now. I feel so hopeful for the year ahead. I know a lot of our listeners are still in dire conditions around the world with COVID, but there's potentially an end in sight with new vaccines. I think there's going to be interesting technology regulation Yes, that's right. And I think the year's just going to be different, so different to last year. And in fact, one of the questions we have, I guess, in our inbound thought of the week is what are you going to do differently this year? Have you thought about that at all, Ian? I have, Craig. And I think that's a really important question to ask at this time and a great one for this time of the year as everyone gets back. And our listeners, if you don't know, people in Australia are still on holidays, a lot of them, and uh, they will only get back first week of February or last week of January. And I think it's really important to just get back to that. I'm intrigued with this idea of what will we do the same and what will we do differently? So many things have changed. So when you look at technology, and I'm not going to give um, specific examples, just talk in generalisms, but if you think about the industries that have increased due to the pandemic and a lot of the services that have come around, And then others, of course, have been annihilated. uh, We can easily find those. But you see so many interesting startups um, firing up. And even just one here locally in Australia, you know, our film industry is really growing because so many other countries, they can't actually film due to COVID restrictions and and lockdown. So they're they're flying their actors and their production teams out to Australia. So Australia actually has, say, um, a content creation opportunity there. That's just one example, you know, so things shift around. And I guess the reason and we're raising it for the podcast is there's a marketer. Think about these. Always be thinking about what's changing, not only how it impacts you negatively, but what are the opportunities you can take advantage of. That's right. And I also think of different industries, Craig, that are doing really well. So building and construction is doing really well in Australia. There are other industries that are really suffering or struggling at the same time. But it is often interesting when I talk to people, their optimism of how they're feeling as well within the business. And I think one of the things I see with people that I talk to, you can get disheartened very quickly, right? And like we said before, I think writing down all the good things that are happening in your business, in your life, in your family is a really good way to refocus where you're going. And I think no matter how hard it is, I would encourage people just to do that as a start and count your blessings essentially, and then go from there because you will be surprised what you have. Now, Craig, on to our quick shots of the week. You know, there's so many things that have happened since we last recorded in uh, mid-December, but we'll just highlight a few. And of course, you can always go to the HubSpot product updates blog to get these. But one of the things that we noticed was, you know, they're finally providing support for root domains. So HubShots, for example, we're at www.hubshots. But if you wanted to just go to HubShots without the www, that's the root domain. It was always hard. You had to manage that at your domain registration or some other way. So HubSpot now support that. We've got a link to that. 
What else have they announced recently? You know how we love workflows, Craig. Oh, yes. And this one is to skip dates in workflows. So if you don't want to send emails on particular days, like, say, Christmas or New Year's, now's the time you can do that. Nice little update. The new sales tasks home has rolled out. That's been in beta for a while. I know you had it a while before I did. That's all rolled out. And then finally... We've got the sales forecasting, which is also rolling out. And that is another part of the system that's changed massively in the last six to eight months. I think there are two of the topics that we're talking about with our bigger clients. One is ABM, moving to the whole account-based marketing or really account-based sales approach. But then the other is sales forecasting. That's really top of mind for many of the companies that we're talking to. So that's a big one. Like ABM, early days, they're rolling out and they are improving. So I, I think it's a good indicator of the direction that they're heading in. And listeners, I would recommend if you haven't done the training in HubSpot Academy for ABM, it is a really good start because you really get to understand the importance of marketing and sales and of the different roles that you have to market to within businesses. And when you get that right and you get your teams working correctly, the power of that is quite amazing. Now, Craig, on to our marketing feature of the week. Yeah, another thing that they've rolled out worth highlighting, well, they now just, their drag and drop email editor just supports adding a video. Well, of course, as you know, email clients still don't support it. So if you, you get the email, click takes you off. I don't know why that is. There must be a good reason, but I don't know why email clients don't support it natively. Seems like it would be a no-brainer. So am I talking from ignorance here? Is there some obvious reason why client email clients don't support that? I'm not sure. Well... Clients aren't consistently, um, what do I say, connected, right? Because they've essentially get or get pushed email. So I'm assuming that that's the reason. So Right. But you could control that. Like sometimes they don't download images unless True. you say it. So maybe it would. But again, most the, these video embeds, and this is what HubSpot does, nicely embeds the thumbnail, puts the nice arrows. If you click it, you can style it as well. So it's a good, good enhancement to the drag and drop email editor. But yeah, why doesn't it just show you, say you've got Apple Mail or Gmail? Why doesn't it just start streaming it down? Why does it take you off like a browser? So Gmail is interesting, you say, Craig, because if you have a YouTube video, for example, it does show the YouTube thumbnail with the play button and it kind of comes in a pop-up in the Gmail window. Is that right? And this is in, obviously, on your browser when you're using a desktop. I'm not sure about how that operates on a mobile device, but I have noticed that. This is useful because we, we've actually had clients saying, look, we want to use more video in email. They say, how can we make it work? And I say, well, the email clients don't support it. And they say, well, we still want to use it and they get the thumbnail. And you should always test and measure this, right? How many people are clicking on it and going out to check it out? So it is becoming more common with our clients. So I think this is a nice, it's just one little easier way to uh, get your emails uh, built and implemented. That's right. And listeners also, it does support different uh, videos, doesn't it? So if you've got one on YouTube or it's hosted on, for example, on HubSpot. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So it'll it'll automatically pull in the embed if it's on YouTube or other third-party tools. Uh, if it's HubSpot, so if you've got HubSpot Pro and above and you have their native HubSpot video storage, you can easily insert those. All right, Craig, on to HubSpot sales feature of the week, and this is HubSpot sequences working with non-marketing contacts. And this is nothing new, right? It's not new. I just I, This is a reminder because it's a compelling reason to be using non-marketing contact, the marketing non-marketing contact tiering. And so for this, we're talking to clients that have had their portal for a while. 
So before, I'm not sure when it switched over. Was it just after inbound? Let's say November. It might have been October. I can't quite remember. But any new portals from then on automatically had that marketing, non-marketing tiering. So from then on. So you would already have this. But if you're an older client with HubSpot and you've just got that marketing contacts tier, this is potentially a reason to switch over to the non-marketing here because and this came up in a, a call a strategy call I was having with a client last week they're like oh well we don't know we've kind of done the calcs and it was going to be more expensive to have that and I was like right you're actually doing a whole lot of outreach you're potentially looking at thousands of contacts that you could be sending sequences to and they're actually using another tool a third-party tool that they're right. going to do for that warm-up sequences because yep. they didn't want to do it in HubSpot and switch over I was like oh you know, you realize sequences can work on non-marketing contacts. So you don't have to suddenly increase your uh, contact here. You can import them all in, set them as non-marketing, then do your batching out on sequences. Like, oh, great. So because that came up, I just wanted to mention that to listeners. It might be a reason if you've got an older portal to switch over. I think it's very good, Craig, because it's not often talked about. And I think it's one of those things where sales teams can take advantage of it. And then when they're ready, we can push them into marketing. All right, Craig, uh, HubSpot's service feature of the week, and this is to do with auto-assigning inbox conversation as support tickets. So we love conversations. We just set up the inbox, all our support queries come in, and there's uh, just a feature that's been around for a while, again, not nothing new here, where you can automatically create service hub tickets based on in- inbox conversations. So I just wanted to highlight that to listeners. We find that useful Perhaps uh, listeners didn't realize it was there. And you'd be forgiven, by the way, because it's hidden amongst settings. I've got a screenshot how to get to it. It's about six clicks to finally get to it and turn it on. And such a confusing the inbox channels set up. But yeah, very easy to turn on once you know how. And then, yeah, all your tickets created automatically. Correct. And I think one thing I have noticed recently, Craig, is when you are in a particular part of the system and you do go to the settings, it actually takes you to this part of the settings that's in line with where you were before. So that's been a really good update. But now, am I right in assuming that this is available even on a free account? Uh, Yes, it is. That's gold. All right. On to our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. Well, more on sequences. So we were debating this before because, again, this comes from a a client uh, strategy session last week with both their sales and marketing teams. We were actually talking about their ABM strategy and looking at how to implement that. And one of the things that came up was exactly that question about, well, you you know, you can use sequences on non-marketing contacts. They're like, oh, okay. And so then the marketing team are like, oh, sequences, maybe we should look at that. And the sales team are going, oh, no, we're using sequences. And we're like, oh. So then we're looking at the menu saying, oh, we don't see sequences on the menu. Why not? And well, I couldn't. And it turns out, well, we don't have sales pro licenses because they've just allocated them to some of the sales team. I was like, oh, you don't even see an upsell because, you know, everywhere else there's an upsell. Oh, you don't have workplace. Oh, yeah, you don't have pro. Great. You know, here's an upsell. Anyway, that's the gotcha. The marketing team didn't even realize the sales team had sequences available and were actually using them. So no upsell. So an opportunity for HubSpot. But as you and I were chatting about, we're like, why wouldn't that show on the menu? And it's probably because the menu is built on portal licenses rather than user-specific licenses. So a bit of a gotcha there. So if you're in the marketing team and you're not seeing sequences in the menu, chances are you actually do have it enabled, but some of your sales team who have sales pro licenses have it. And here's the tip. 
on a contact level, you will see if someone is enrolled in a sequence on the left-hand side. But also what we have done for some customers is create a list that identifies who is currently in a sequence. And that is there. And that is a perfect way to make sure that uh, whoever's in the system can see that. And especially if they're in sequences and say we want to send them marketing or they've opted in, we don't send them marketing. We actually exclude anybody in a sequence. That's an excellent tip. Remind us to put that in the show next week with a screenshot on the, on the yes, properties you use to absolutely. create that list. All right. On to our marketing tip of the week, Craig. And this is where I know we've had a bit of discussion and you've been talking to me about it, is how do we think about our customer experiences and differentiate ourselves and how do we start small? I've been thinking about how do you differentiate on just the small things? And I'll give you some examples, not from our industry, but from other industries. Remember when hairdressers or hair yes. salons that start offering really good coffee and it was kind of like, oh, wow. A really good coffee. Of course, everyone does it now. But when that started, it was a differentiator. Coffee, nothing to do with getting your hair cut. And in fact, no correlation with the quality of the haircut you got. It's just that, that people were talking about, oh, like an excellent coffee at the hairdresser. And people would switch based on that. Not yes. at all related to the expertise of the field being um, sold. And so others, you might remember hotels, you know, if they actually had fluffy towels, that Correct. was a differentiator. Still is these days in some <laughs> cases, sadly. But I was looking at this and I'm thinking, what is, and they're only small things. This is the thing. It's not like, oh, we have to completely pivot the company. That's right. It's just a small thing. I've been really trying to think about this in terms of our agency and the experience we give clients. And for me, where I think the very quick differentiations are, are that onboarding experience, not actually related to the delivery they get, because hopefully that's excellent anyway, but the onboarding experience and whether there's things like little physical things or follow-ups they get or little bonuses, trying to think through those. So I don't really want to kind of uh, give away all the ideas at the moment because we're still streamlining them. But here's the, here's the prompt for listeners. What one small thing could you differentiate on? That is very good, Craig. All right, onto our insight of the week, Craig. And this is what we're talking about, strategy. And strategy is equal to research plus insights in its very simple form. And you asked me this question last week. You've really got me thinking, Craig, for a whole week. I've been loving it. And this is because you read a book from David C. Baker, who's a friend of the show. And it's the book called The Business of Expertise. Yeah, this is an excellent book. I recommend everyone read this. I, I read it every year. I don't know how many times I've read it now. It's such a good book. It's a really small book, very uh, consumable, very quick. So jam-packed with gems. Full credit to him. He he totally spells this out. Strategy equals research plus insights. Actionable insights, by the way, not just, you know. Um, That's very uh, key. The slide where that, you know, oh, amazing insights that you can do nothing with and put them, put them in the top drawer. So we've really been thinking about this in terms of our offering and we're trying to actually get away from this word strategy because there's a couple of problems with the word strategy one is it means so many different things to different people ask your clients what's strategy what's digital strategy that kind of i'm an r there's nothing specific and the other problem with strategy is that it's a race to the bottom because people offer free strategy sessions yes effectively saying this has no value it's worth free right so david c bag does a really good job of highlighting that strategy equals research plus insight. So the research piece is hard work. You're researching with the client what they're doing, unpacking what they want to achieve. You might actually have to be doing research around their industry, keyword research, topics, maybe looking at competitors. That's actually research. And then you get that research and you draw insights, which comes from experience and skill 
and then communicate that in a way that gives them priorities and actionable next steps. That's strategy. So I find that such a helpful summary of the word strategy gives clarity, takes away all that noise. And here's the thing, all you need to do next time someone says, oh, we need a content strategy. Oh, what's that mean? Oh, we need to do research around content and then draw out insights. So that might be keyword research. It might be looking at all your content, working out what's been getting traffic, what's driving leads, pulling out insights, what content is missing, giving actionable steps. Here's the content. That's content strategy, right? And of course, you can apply it to everything, HubSpot strategy, social strategy, other digital strategy as well. So I found that such a liberating reminder from David C. Baker, and I really wanted to share that with uh, our listeners and just use that to set your path for the year ahead. Absolutely love it, Craig. It's gold. Now, Craig, I'll throw back of the week. What was happening in January 2020? Do you remember? That was a year ago. Feels like a decade ago, doesn't it? I know it does. That was pre-pandemic, Ian. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what was happening on HubSpot Workflows? Branching. They just added that branching where you didn't have to have yes or no. You can have up to 20 branches and a default. Correct. None of them meant. Oh, don't don't we love that? I know. That was a year ago, Ian, so that's how to mark your time. (laughs) I would like to know, uh, when did the go-to action come? That was, uh, that was another goal. Yeah, I was I was wondering that as well. I think it was the year before, because I know we certainly got it in beta in the uh, year before, because yeah. I remember talking about it at a, at a hug. That's right. Um, pre-2020. So, yeah. I, and then I think this the multi-branching came later. All right. Now on to our resource of the week. And this is about Google's web dev tools, which we mentioned many times before. And it's useful to identify issues on your site related to performance. And Craig, after years of neglect, you started going through some on our site on HubShots. Can I take a little aside here? You know, yeah. I said at the start of the show, what are you going to do differently this Correct. year? We're going to do the same. You know what we're going to do this differently this year? We're actually going to work on our own stuff. Man. <laughs> we do such a good, good job for clients. I know. But I'm now starting to get clients saying, oh, why don't you do this for your own site? And Correct. it's embarrassing, Ian. Yes. And you know what was really embarrassing? The HubShot site. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It was so bad. I was looking at some of the code. By the way, there's comments in the code where I've made comments back in 2017 saying, <laughs> oh, just commenting this out for now. And I'm just, oh, it's so bad. Anyway, you got to start somewhere. And Correct. look, we'll lead by example by really improving the HubShots site this year. So we've already optimized it using the web.dev tools from Google. Really worth doing. So we've, you know, we've just started. You still look at the HubShot site, still lots of work to be done, but so much better than it was a couple of days ago. And that's the thing, Craig, isn't it? It's like everything is incremental, right? And I think people often get overwhelmed by, wow, there's all of this stuff to get done. And I think if you apply our little strategy discussion before is what have we got to fix and how do we prioritize them based on what needs to be fixed and how do we then map out where we're going to go with that. And if you do it that way, nothing will seem impossible. Now, Craig, this is a cracker quote, but I I don't want you to read it. (laughs) It (laughs) Please tell me where you got it. Um, Actually, a friend of mine said it and uh, I went looking for the source, which I've I've since found. Uh, But he said, it's only the mediocre who are always at their best. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, yeah. And the reason it came up is because I was despondent that some days I have very ultra productive days and then others I feel like I get nothing done. I was just like, oh, you know, why can't I always be really productive? He's like, oh, you know, it's only the mediocre always. (laughs) It's kind of comforting and 
And yet I don't. No. Anyway, this comes from <laughs> um, Jean uh, Giraudoux. Yeah. I hope I've pronounced that right. He was a French novelist and poet back okay. between World War One and World War Two. So, thanks for that, Jean. All right, listeners, and we've got a few bonus links in the show to do with Core Web Vitals and measuring your Core Web Vitals with Google Sheets, which is also interesting. And we've got a couple of big shots as well, Craig. Keyword research topic from Ahrefs, great SEO tool, and then a, a great technical SEO implementation framework by Reej Abu Ali. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. I follow her on Twitter. She's excellent. I've followed her for so long and read so much of her stuff, but I actually haven't, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I feel embarrassed about that. So apologies if I've mispronounced that, but excellent work and an excellent um, presentation on setting the framework. And again, it's around priorities of technical SEO. And as she describes in this blog post, and she had a slide uh, deck from um, a conference she presented at, she used to do agency uh, SEO audits. There were hundreds of pages long and it's like what's actionable what can Mm. you do there's so much stuff it's overwhelming and she has a good framework for prioritizing and then iterating based on that well worth a read and finally listeners please connect with craig and myself on linkedin and send us a note to say you listen to the show and if you do have anything that you've got stuck with or anything that will help others we'd love to hear from you and include it in the show as we love to hear from our listeners well craig until next time catch you later ian Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.